0: Hello and welcome to Springboard Virtual University. My name is Albert Okran, welcoming you on behalf of Team Springboard. This is your most inspirational show, and that place where the greatest minds in the world converge. Springboard is brought to you by the Springboard Research Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse. Enterprise group with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic business. So, here we are once again in the engine room that place where we get to connect with achievers in various fields and find out the what, the where, the why, the how, the tears, the joys, and even most importantly, the learnings on their journey just so we can also imitate. And take vital lessons from them my guest for today is one of Ghana's most respected business leaders across the world she was an electrical and electronic engineer at Ford motor company then she joined the Royal Bank of Scotland before switching to the telecoms industry in 2008 Lucy worked in business development sales distribution and marketing she must tell us That story about Sirius. Very, very important addition. He was appointed head of strategy and planning at Vodafone's Ghana subsidiary and went on to become CEO of AirTel Ghana, the first woman to hold that office as CEO of a telecom company in Ghana. She founded Quest Blue Diamond and co-founded Fresh Payment Platform in DRC and the Executive Women's Network here in Ghana. Lucy is in high demand as a keynote speaker in conferences across the world and is a big friend of comfort and am convener of the recently held Bold New Normal Conference. I have written a book on that same subject a couple of years ago. Lucy Quist, welcome to Springboard.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Always oh, good to see you.
1: Yeah, very, very good to see you. You look well, Thank as you. always. Thank you. Thank every
0: day. <laughs> and it's beautiful to come together once again to reflect on what has been happening in the past few weeks. Thanks for that great conference a while ago, the Bold New Normal Conference. How did
1: it go? It it went really well. It was on the 21st of October. Um, It was awesome. It was an awesome conference. When when I talk about the turnout, we had hundreds of people. We had amazing speakers, but most importantly, people connected. And also took away practical lessons. I can I can I can testify to that because they've taken to social media, LinkedIn in particular, to share what they learned at the conference and to encourage others to whether you were there or not to practice the same. So that's how I know about impact because people have actually shared what they, they learned out there. How
0: important are these lessons that people glean from these interactions? I mean when people get to sit with people who have done things and write down their lessons and share them on platforms. How important are these lessons in shaping the lives of people?
1: They're they're extremely important because, you know, the thing about life is that we're all trying to get further ahead and advance in ourselves. I'm a strong believer that life presents various challenges, opportunities for growth, but we don't have to go through every single experience that other people have been through. So you can learn from other people's experiences, add them to your toolkit of how you would deal with a challenge when it comes up to uh, up your way, or even how you just improve yourself. And then on that basis, get to um, even further than they, they have been. So and then achieve much more because that's how nations progress. The people from one generation to the next have to do better than the previous generation and the whole nation moves forward so lessons sharing learning and applying is extremely important to me which
0: one does better in transforming people is it the joys or the tears in your the, opinion
1: in my opinion the tears why the tears for sure the joys give you strength um and so we all need foundational strength to keep you know, to keep us going what what the tears do is that they test your strength. And when your strength is tested, you can then stretch to even greater strengths. That's the thing. So the tears give you that stretch. I always say to people that until um, a value, an approach, a, a, a skill you have is tested, you really don't know how far you can go with it. So so the tears are definitely important. They're not comfortable, they're not fun. I don't like them, but they're a necessary part of the journey.
0: I was telling somebody that it's easier to talk about the pain, the tears, the shame, the disappointments after they've happened. But somehow our culture doesn't allow us to sit in a public platform like this and say, I'm struggling. Yes. So I, I I interacted with somebody in private who was going through a very tough time. Yes. And I could see his struggle to accept that even though he was admitting that he was struggling, I could see he felt he kind of like... But why am I struggling? through you're yeah. we, to figure out. So how how do I tell the story of my struggle? But the same person will be comfortable five years later to see that I this went through a, a, a period of great struggle. Why are we not able to talk about the struggles at the time you are going through? Is it because we think we'll be seen as weak or harmful?
1: I think there's a small there's an element of that seen as weak. But I think part of the reason as well is that we don't practice it. So, for instance, at the Bodhi Normal Conference um, on the 21st of October, the masterclass is in the afternoon and it's really about people working on themselves. So they don't just come to hear um, speeches. And one of the exercises I got people to do was to talk about challenges. And first I got them to talk about challenges that when you ask people about challenges, because of what you just described, they will, they will talk about external challenges Oh, the lights went off or oh, this happened or oh, this didn't. I, so once they I, they had dealt with that, I asked them a second question. I said, I want you to think about personal challenges, challenges that you are experiencing, you know, internal to you, not the ex- externalities. And after I got them to do that, I then, I then said, turn to the person, next to you just the two of you and have a discussion about your challenges share them with them and if you two can come up with solutions fine. but at least talk to the other person about it and i was just struck by the feedback i got from people afterwards who said you know it felt Much better to tell somebody about my challenge and they offered me solutions that I hadn't thought about and they some people shared that they had a similar. I was very surprised, but we don't practice it. So in that short time that they had with other people, people actually found it valuable to share their current challenge in real time and to hear from other people. But it's not something we typically practice. And so we're worried that if I come to you challenge, maybe I'm, you think I'm not as great as you think I am, or I'm not as perfect as you think I am, forgetting that I'm human. And so I will have challenges. So I really encourage people. Sometimes it's not about telling the whole world, maybe that one person you have, but have somebody, at least one, that you can tell your challenge to. If you can tell more people and share with them, that's even better. I feel that's a journey of maturity that you'll get to. Start with one.
0: I'll come back to the humanity of each and every one of us, but let me go to this book that I read. What year was this?
1: It was published in 2019.
0: Okay, so four years ago, yes. I had Anna right. being at a lunch and standing next to say says I'm doing Oh, I'm that.
1: praying over the lounge. Don't let's, over, let's, let's talk about I'm praying that.
0: over this book, <laughs> yes. and looking back... It's been a phenomenal success. But help us to appreciate first why you wrote this book, and how it transitioned from a book into a conference, and if I may say so, a movement. Yes. bold you new. Know. What exactly is it?
1: You know, I am a strong believer in in order So let me put it out that I'm a practicing Bible believing Christian. Like this, this is foundational. So if I say things, people need to understand the context in which it, it, I say them, and. The idea of writing a book, I now realize, it's like you said, it's always easier to look back. Um, the idea of writing a book actually um, is a seed sown by my father, who we lost last year, um, unfortunately. But um, the, the first two big book he bought for me, because you always buy your children books, but you, you buy age-appropriate books. When I was about eight years old... He bought me the book of um, Shil Shagari's life, who was the first uh, president of Nigeria. And now, when I think about it, and I still have the book, it's old and tired and tatty, but it's there. Um, And he saw this idea, he talked to me about how, oh, you'd write books or people write about you. As an eight year old, I remember in 2010, I only remember because I went back to look. Um, writing in my things I'd like to do. I'd written in that I'd like to write a book. So that's nine years before the book, even from my own writing and from my childhood to now. Um, But I think the biggest thing that struck me was that in the build-up to me moving into telecoms in 2008, um, I was working abroad, and one of my big drivers of searching for a job and eventually finding a job to move to Ghana was I wanted to be part of the work we need to do to change our outcomes, to change our country, to change our continent. Um, and then I didn't have the language for it, but I knew I wanted to be part of it. So that's why I was so desperate. It took me three years to find a job, but I did. I was working, but I was still looking, three years um, into 2008. Um, and I came and I realized that I was actually ill-equipped for the change I wanted to be part of, because I hadn't understood the fact that You need not just skill, knowledge and ability, but you need contextual knowledge, contextual appreciation to be part of a change. Change comes from the inside out, not outside, not by you showing up and saying, I know all these wonderful things, so people should do it. So that was the the genesis of my journey. You know, fast forward um, to, um, you know, I joined Airtel in 2014. And in that year, more young people started coming to me than even before, asking for guidance, mentoring and so on. Um, And then that's when I took to social media, because I'm an engineer, so I think scale, and I decided that social media was a a good way to reach a large number of people at the same time. And I tell you this because it it actually formed the foundation of what would become the book. Because the things I used to talk about around change, around leadership, and so it's, it's the foundational material that went into the book. So in 2016, I got invited to deliver a TED Talk in at TEDx Houston. So TEDx Houston is the same place that, you know, um, Komla Dumo did his, his great um, uh, TED Talk, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie did her, uh, the, 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 the danger of a single story. So I knew this was an important place. And I was like, Lucy, you have 18 minutes. What are you going to tell the world that you're thinking? Um, and my team was very gracious and they helped me, you know, fine tune my ideas. But I, I decided I wanted to talk about how we create a new normal for Ghana and for Africa. But then in preparing and in putting all the material together and as a talk was delivered, the organisers of the talk said, you use the word bold so many times, we um, think what you're referring to, you think this has to be, bold. I said, absolutely. And so that's how the name, The Bold New Normal was born um, in 2016. And that would eventually evolve into, because I realised that even though I had written, and there was a lot of material out there. How do you consolidate your thoughts so that someone can pick all those thoughts up and get a perspective end-to-end in terms of what you're thinking about how we create the change that we want to see to create an Africa, a Ghana, where we have outcomes that favor us, outcomes that allow us to prosper, outcomes that allow us to thrive, just to to realize our God-given potential right where God has placed us. And that's what the Bold Normal is about.
0: For the benefit of anyone who may not have heard you detail the Africa that you want, let me look at the byline of the book. Creating the Africa where everyone prospers. If if you got, TED Talk was 18 minutes.
1: Yes. If you got two minutes
0: (laughs) To to capture what's the Africa that Lucy Christ wants to see, looks like.
1: Yeah. Um, so here is the precondition that I, I base on. I believe that our continent is awash with people with great ability, great skills, and great ambition. So fundamentally, what our people lack is opportunity. And opportunity comes by creating the right environment. But, you know, the, the thing that makes it a, a circular argument is that It is the same people that need to create the opportunity as well. So people need opportunity, but it's human beings who have to create opportunity. So the Africa where everybody prospers is an Africa where, as a human being, you have the right set of opportunities that allow you to thrive and realize the best of your potential. So I'm very clear to people that prosperity isn't about, I think everyone should become a millionaire. Prosperity is how you prosper as a human being, how you, you you do well foundationally we need to shift our mindsets and our thinking. That shift in mindset should be driven by a new vision, a new normal, and that vision and shift in mindset should cause us to take bold action to change the outcomes that we receive, we we create, by, by creating a system that allows us to thrive. So that's the two minute version.
0: you got my attention by using the word bold again. And like the organizers of the TED talk, let me ask you, for you to keep using the word bold, I guess it presupposes that you think that we sometimes are not bold enough.
1: We're definitely not bold enough at Just, all. Think about that. Sir. You know, we are very much driven by what we see, and particularly in a culture where we like to be part of a group, the group, part of the mold, the the society, the group we belong to. We don't like to stick out. We don't like to stand out. And so when you don't want to stand out, it undermines your ability to visualize a different outcome. And I tell people that all the countries we admire, all the countries, and and we'll talk about that in in more detail, but we, we see our young people running off to, they were created by a vision of what is possible, and I believe that we can boldly do the same. If we want every Ghanaian to have access to good health care, it is within our power to create it. But it will take boldness to reject what we have, but be willing to do the work, not just scream and shout, do the work to create what we want. That creates boldness because if I come to you and I say... Um, Every Ghanaian child should be able to see a doctor whenever they need to see one. That's a bold statement because you, you, someone will throw at me the statistics, the numbers, the lack of hospital, the lack of access, trained health care. All those are there. But the bold is, is a statement of vision. You state the vision and then you work to achieve the vision. So don't state an incremental vision, a little bit more, a little bit improvement. Oh, You're looking at where do we actually want to be and how do we work to get there?
0: So, what are the thematic areas that you tend to focus on the most in your personal moments of reflection? When you think about it, is it education? Is it healthcare? Is it governance? Is it corporate or personal? Where, yeah. where, where, do you, where, do you, where do you focus um,
1: on? The so, most? for me, the starting point is that we need to change mindsets. But right? what I've described is how people think. To change mindsets, um, again, which is something I've learned in my journey, it's a personal journey. You change the mindsets of individuals, which then leads to a a change in the collective mindset and consciousness. So there's the individual. So that's sort of very tangibly. And and through my work, I like to focus on the individual's transformation and change. But then that leads me to the thematic areas that those individuals need need to work on. Because you change yourself so that you can influence people around you in a different way. And through that influence, I believe that we have three foundational areas that we need to we really need to, to work on, which will lead them to the fourth and beyond. But we really need to address our health care provision because we want well-abled people. Today, we have too many, especially young, we're losing them to um, you know, preventable um, conditions. So that's number one. Um, Number two is education. We need high quality education that ensures that where the outcome is people who can think and apply what they know. And then the third area, which ties to these three, I'm not ranking these three, they are foundational, is agriculture we need to feed ourselves we need to get to a point where we have a country where when people wake up in the morning they're not worried about food to eat now these three things are really basic human needs but if you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about any one of these you can't thrive you can't innovate you can't think about new things i'm thinking of where the next bowl of kinky will come about so all that capacity that i've been given to create to think to do things is being reduced to bowl of kinky which shouldn't be the case. We focus on the human being. We convince the human being to work on the three foundational areas, which will eventually inevitably mean that we will have more jobs created, more people doing. And if we fix the mindset, I would say, promise you governance and all those areas will be fixed.
0: In your own interaction with people, and I'm I'm, I'm a very curious person. Mm -hmm. I don't assume at all. In your own interaction with people, what conclusion have you come to? About how people end up having a certain kind of thinking, whether at the national level, the ethnic or cultural or social level, even old old school. Mm. We had a conversation about old yeah. school, old school yeah. groups. So obviously, clusters of people think in a particular way. Yes. What is it that drives that that, that, that thinking?
1: <sighs> it it this is going to be interesting coming from uh, an engineer, but. Hopefully um, makes sense coming from someone who's now become an author. It's really fundamentally about stories. It's so foundational to who we are and how we think. And that whether that's a story that you're told about yourself nationally, whether the story you're told about yourself based on the school you're in, whether it's a story you're told based on the family you belong to, it's about stories. Because those those are the things that that stick. I always remind people that, you know, there's a reason why most of Jesus' teachings were actually stories. And we remember those stories. But most importantly, entire nations are built on stories. And I'm so curious and keen that I, I have spent so much time listening to my parents, listening to my older relatives, because I want to know my story as well.
0: Do you think that we don't tell our story well
1: enough? A, we don't tell our stories well enough. We don't we don't tell we don't even tell them frequently. We tell versions of our stories that are incomplete. And a lot of the time we tell versions of our story that undermine our ability to even be confident in ourselves. So let me tell you one that I find some may say, Lucy, that's a bit controversial. We talk about Ghana and we describe her almost as though for our entire existence, 1957 onwards is what, who we are. I say to you, well, hang on a minute, but even my mother was born before that. Let's not even go far. Let's not talk about grandparents. Even my mother is older than 1957. So who were we before 1957, right? Because when we tell our 1957 story, talk, we talk about independence and we position ourselves as a colonized people, you know, a subjugated people that suddenly needed to fight for our freedom. And somehow we remind generations after generation of subjugation and, and liberation. That has happened. But we now need to raise generations that see that actually, in before then, we had nations and peoples who were self-actualizing, who were building up there. I listened to my mother tell the story of her grandfather and how he set up the village that that came to be her hometown where she was born, how he organized the people, how they took care of, of, of each other, how they prospered, how they set aside a day to take care of their community. The things they did in their governance to manage their community, that had nothing to do with being colonized. And yet we tell ourselves stories as though pre-colonization we did nothing we had no leaders we had nobody who had the gumption to 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 you know materialize anything and then suddenly colonization you know shaped us and then we became liberated and now we're trying to fight beyond that that's not a true story and yet everybody knows that story it doesn't ring true to me
0: this is springboard your virtual university and if you just tuned in and heard about storytelling and this its impact. My guest is Lucy Quest, the author and the convener of the Bold New Normal conference. If I've learned something today, it's about how a TED talk on on the new the new normal you know. for Ghana and Africa <laughs> had the word bold appearing so many times that it was just added and it became the bold new normal. If you are learning something in this conversation, let's have a debate on social media. Why aren't we telling our stories? Well, is it because we don't think we have a story or is it because we just enjoy the negative parts of our story more than the positives? Why do negative stories get more likes on social media than positive stories? Let's have this bold new Exactly. Oh, wow, I love this. So let's go for a break and catch our breath a little. Springboard is brought to you by the Springboard Ratio Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse and the Enterprise Group with media support from the graphic business and the multimedia group. Let's go for a break. When we come back, let's find out the impact of the book and even more importantly, Lucy's clarion call to young Africans, especially young women. Please don't worry.
1: Doing Doing gets you learning. Learning starts you wondering. Wondering triggers thinking. Thinking becomes planning. Planning evolves to trying. After trying, you're succeeding. Winning. Owning. Now, doing that starts with outdoing your limits. Outdo them all with MTN. So, what are we doing today?
0: Your grandma looked very peaceful. I was completely amazed when I saw her neatly presented. She looked just like she was sleeping.
1: You haven't seen anything yet, my brother. You should have seen the care and quality treatment they gave her transitions. Eh. Hey. One man, one room, just like a five-star hotel. Wow. And not only that, we had a dedicated person to guide the family through the funeral planning process. Are you sure? Of course. From picking her up to when we lowered grandma down, everything was completely stress-free. They had all the needed funeral services, caskets, hairs, chapel, and so much more.
0: This one, dear, no family fights after all.
1: I'm so happy we made a right decision to use Transitions. With Transitions, your loved
0: one gets the best of care while the family enjoys a stress-free funeral planning process. Call us now on 0302-634-706. And no... Did I tell you they are affordable? Transitions, the funeral people. Welcome back to Springboard, your virtual university and to this amazing conversation with Lucy Quist, author of The Bold New Normal and convener of the recently held conference on the same subject. The book has transformed itself into a conference and now a movement, a clarion call. And I'll be finding out from Lucy what we should do but springboard is brought to you by the springboard ratio foundation and proudly sponsored by mtm pulse the enterprise group with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic business lucy's been talking about stories the power of stories and i can tell you without any doubt traveling across this country as often as i've done since the first edition of springboard in january 2007 one of the most fulfilling experiences for me going to every single region and having somebody walk up to me so you don't know me I know you don't but this is my springboard story and sharing about how just a little lesson a little idea from either myself and comfort to any of our speakers set them on the path there are some that we've tracked for more than 10 years for very good reason because we, we published some of these stories and Lucy one of our um, mentees who started a journey mm-hmm. as a yogurt seller on the streets of wow. Kumasi and came to Springboard because we insisted that even the uneducated could come. Went on to educate himself, yes. do his own SHS mm-hmm. and, and WASI, self tutored, mm-hmm. and then went on to do a first degree and then became a hospitality manager. Wow. Went on to do a second degree and He's just lifted himself up, and now his latest, he's starting a restaurant chain. And you hear it, and you are so humbled. And it began with a story that it is possible. So listen, the power of stories, I agree it's, with you at a thousand yeah. times. Why haven't you discovered it?
1: So before I answer that question, I have to say something about what you just said. Because I know you're a very intentional person, so I'm not preaching to the, the choir. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the people who are listening. That the name itself, springboard. In this story, you do you just shared a bit, in, you gave him the reason to spring. You gave him the platform, the board off which to spend it. I think people need to understand that tied to stories is also what we call things. Right. Mm-hmm. Calling the road show springboard, calling the radio show, calling this springboard. It, it, that alone, to me, should conjure up in people's mind an image of what you're trying to get them to understand, to spring forth from where they are, they, to use this platform as an opportunity to, to, to spring forward. And um, look, I think that one of the reasons why we don't tell each other um, our stories is because we've allowed the narrative to be taken away from us. So the stories we know of ourselves, the stories we know about our people, are stories that have been fed to us as opposed to us telling our own. Um, and it serves a purpose when someone else tells you a story, tells you their version. But if I come to your house and I tell you a story about yourself, I'm telling you the story based on my perspective and based on what serves my interest. So we've lost that value because, again, when I listened to my parents, I realized that we had generations of past who did tell stories. In fact, one of the things that are recognized by historians is that as Africans, we're actually great storytellers. Storytelling was how we passed on our history, how we told each other what happened from one generation to the next. But what we've now ended up with is a version of our story that, A, we don't tell tell a lot anyway, but the, the negative of who we are that undermines us and serves to impoverish us is the version that we continue to tell. And we don't realize that by telling those stories, we're actually impoverishing our minds and ourselves on and on and on and on. Um, I could come here and tell you a really sad story about how my parents were both born to farmers, farming communities. You know, my dad was in the Ashanti region. His mom is from uh, Pianti, but they were actually farmers in Tepa. My mother was near in Sawam. And I could tell you a sob story about how, you know, we, you know they came from such poverty, blah, blah, because that's how sometimes the, the version needs to be told. Oh, I could tell you the story about how proud I am that the boy from a farming community worked hard and found himself in university you know, a community where his parents didn't speak any English. And he worked hard and went to university and became an engineer. And how a young girl from a, a village where none of her siblings went to school, worked hard and went to school and got a job in the meteorological department in Ghana. That It's the same story. It's the same people I'm talking about.
0: Would you say that there are two stories in every story?
1: There are, because it depends on the perspective, at least two stories. But I can tell you that this perspective or the other perspective, I get that one of the things I talk about in the book is that you can choose to be a victim or a victor, right? I can tell you the victim story that says, oh, you know, look, woe is me. And so these poor people, now I'm their child. And so when I started, we didn't have anything. And But oh, I can tell you, wow, I am so proud of these people. And if I look at those journeys, and this is the, my honest truth, when I look at their journeys, where they had started from and where they got to, I haven't done anything.
0: You know what? You're an engineer. I'm, I'm, you're taking me somewhere <laughs> with this. I was telling somebody yesterday that as a parent, stop telling your child you are naughty, you are troublesome, because they are. So now I've found the language for it. There are two stories. So I was trying to explain to her how Comfort and I used to adopt this, and, and, and I give Comfort credit for that. That even when you are the challenge with your child, she keep telling you are the best, you are the best. And just by saying it over and over, yeah. and over my mother used to do that, yes. we were orphaned. I mean, I lost yeah. my father very yes, early, yeah, and so I knew about. that I, I didn't have a father, and my mates my would talk about, and their father did this and their father did that, and she would look you in the eye and tell you, you know what, you are not disadvantaged in any way, you are the best And I believed it. Of course. Until I grew up and realized that it was quite an disadvantage. Exactly. She she made me so sure. Yes. That I grew up not feeling inferior in any way. That I didn't have a family. 100%. Before I was two. But it never featured in my thinking because the woman made me believe that I was was fine. So you are saying that... There are two stories yes, in every, every story, story, and both stories are true, they're true, but you decide which one you want to tell. Which one, now, do you want to that's tell? depending on which one you choose, what will happen?
1: Yeah, the, the story determines how you think about yourself, your mindset, okay. which then determines the action you take. Okay, so that action then determines your outcomes, right? So if I sat here and I, I was satisfied with a little bit more because oh, you know, we were even poor people, blah 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 then I, the efforts I'll put in will, will definitely not be as bold because I won't have the courage for it. But when I think of my parents, I actually think that they're ridiculously bold. I'm like, where were you, where, where were you even thinking? My mom used to sit in her village and she would see a plane pass and she'd one day I'm going to travel and see the world. And to this day, do you know, just last year, my mom went to Australia. That vision that she said, I've never been to Australia. But now she has she a child in real. Australia. She's been to Australia. I, mean, this, I look at her all the time. I'm like, how were you sitting in a village in Ghana? She loves me. She lives in Ghana. She loves being in Ghana. But how were you sitting in a village in Ghana, thinking about seeing the world when you haven't even come to Accra? It's a
0: father story.
1: <laughs> her grandfather told her stories. Her grandfather infused her with confidence.
0: Are, are your parents your among your biggest mentors?
1: They're my biggest mentors and inspiration, right? Because the inspiration of their stories tells me that, wow, it is possible. So they inspire me with what they told me in terms of mentoring and guiding me, but also how they live. So I give an example. If I came home and I suddenly said to my mom, um, oh, the world is... and It's a simple one. I come and say, mom, you know, and the children, and they didn't play with me today at school. I'm like, Lucy, life is what you make it. It's a simple statement. Why are you going to sit here and say they didn't play with you? Are you going to figure out how to play with them? Are you going to be the victim that nobody is playing with, for whatever reason? She's not going to say, oh, why did they do that? Lucy, go and make it make it happen. You know, my dad similarly always had something to say. That oh, my dad would do things like he'd be sitting down with um, his contemporaries. They'll be at home. They'll ha- be having a discussion, and he'll say, okay, let's see what Lucy thinks about this. I'm a child. When I say child, I'm talking child, child under ten, like really young. So let's see what Lucy says about it. Now, when I think about it, I think there's a high chance that most of the time what I, I said was not, um, you know, didn't add as much to the discussion given my age. But I'm every sure single time,
0: affirm what
1: you see. So he was giving me a voice. He was allowing me to use my voice, mm. right, in a subtle way. He didn't say go and use your voice. In his moments, he would say. What do you think? And so, in, in my mind, I'm, I, there's a programming that says you also have a story to tell. You also have something to say. You have a perspective. It matters. I want to hear it. So you asked me earlier on about you know how how this lands. How this lands is that you create a different system. So again, this is engineer engineer thinking, but the outcomes we see are the products. Of the system that we have. Mm. And systems have processes, so many things go into a system. So, if we want to really prosper, that system has to change. That child who has less than, just because they have economically less than, that doesn't mean that they are shortchanging ability. Their aspiration should not be driven by what they see around them. Their aspiration should be beyond what they can see, and that system around them has to encourage them. So I give you, you know, another practical example. Uh, when I was at Etel, we started a connected schools program. I am big on advocating for STEM participation. We started connected classrooms, so we had children in one school. And I'm, think about it: this story I'm telling you is Greater Accra. It's not even a village far flung So half of the team and I were sitting at a school in La Wales and and then the other half was at a school in Matahiko. And we went to their science club and they had a a connected classroom where they could see each other on video and, and have discussions about what they're doing in their various clubs. On the other side, this is JHS. On the other side, the science teacher responsible for the children said to my team, learning computer at this age, at this age, where others have started learning in nursery, you are challenging the notion of, and you're their teacher. So you're telling them a story of they are too young to be engaged in computer studies, and yet just two days ago, I had a group of young people in my house telling me that the people in universities who don't know how to use a computer, in a world where everything is technologically driven. And we will turn around and say, "Oh, these young people—they—they're they're, they're not serious. But we've told them a story from young that it's not for them, and then they come to the workplace, and we wonder why they can't—they can't deliver. The stories matter.
0: It does. It does, Lucy. It does. So the the formula in, for anyone who's listening, since I'm an engineer, let me pretend to be intelligent. You the, in. <laughs> in the formula was. About the the two stories in one. Lucy is saying that there are actually two stories in every story. And both stories are true. And the story you choose determines your mindset. And your mindset determines your actions. Yes. And your actions determine your outcomes. I'm going to plot this on social media. I'm going to plot an arithmetic formula out of this one. I love it. I love it. I I, I
1: enjoyed the debate. I love it. (laughs) You know... (laughs)
0: It's interesting how when, you, when you, you're when able to graphically present a concept, it can generate quality conversation. I think that people have the appetite for the right kind of knowledge and the right kind of conversation if you can contextualize it to touch their reality. You are so right. And you know what you Out of what you've said, the thing that has dawned on my mind the most is that if you ask many people who their role model is... They would mention a dangote, they would mention a steel Jobs, they would mention, but they may not mention that parent mm. who is semi educated yes. because the mental construct does not qualify that parent to be called a mentor. Yeah. Because of the two stories of that parent, the vision the parent gives, the, the hope the parent gives, yeah. the boldness the parent gives is relegated. And that other aspect of the formal education that did not match what somebody else has is the big story. Yes, that's the big story. And those are the two stories you're talking yes, about. The two I tell you something. stories. You have so the seed today. <laughs> I'm sure someone is listening. And saying, I, you know what? I should go back to my parents and respect.
1: We We should.
0: We, we really,
1: really, really should. Listen.
0: What must we do differently? I mean, I mean, I. I whenever I have a conversation like this, I, I'm asking. Listen. Let's leave the table with clear imperatives. If you had the whole nation listening to you what must we do differently? In the book of Acts, they say, what must I do to yeah, be saved? So what yeah. must we do differently?
1: You know, I wrote an article um, a few, a few and um, I think it was last year, it was for a Nigerian publication. And one of the questions they asked, they asked me for a huge, they said something like, if I had a billion dollars, what would I spend it on? Sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in line with the things that, because I was talking in line with the bold, you know, when I said, if I had a billion dollars, I would invest in um, a communication and change campaign for the entire continent of Africa. Maybe a billion is too little. Um, But that's where my focus would be. That would be persistent and consistent. So what we need to do differently in this storytelling journey that we we are on, we're already on it. Um, Several of us are participants. You've been at it for a very long time. People like myself have, have joined in. Um, We need to be persistent and consistent in telling those stories about ourselves that reinforce the idea that we have what it, we already have what it takes to self-actualize. This is number one. The number two thing we need to do, which is Goes beyond so number one is about shifting mindsets number two which is about a process a process orientation so more practical and tangible is that we don't talk enough about how we manage the change how we execute the change we want to see so the number two thing we need to do is manage change every single time we answer, we we say to ourselves for instance we're going to vote a new government and everything's going to change how how so we want things to change how are we managing that change? It's a process. The stories I've told you today, we can tell them as stories, but effectively they involve managing changes in people's lives to get from A to B. We don't talk about that, but there's a practicality to the change that we want on our, on our continent and in our country, which is process-oriented, that we don't manage.
0: Is your engineering mind a big influence in how you approach everything?
1: It's, it's a huge influence. And I say to people all the time that whatever foundational instruction you have, it's important, right? It's extremely important. Um, So if you read my book, you can feel the structure and the constructs because every time, everything I'm writing, I'm thinking, how does this add up? How does this actually connect? How does it actually produce something as opposed to just words? Um, So I think engineering has had a huge influence on, on me, but it's my dad. You know, again, back to the story. He, my dad never said to me directly, go and be an engineer. He showed me because it's what he knew. So when he's fixing something, he'll say, Lucy, go and bring the toolbox. When he's doing so, oh, Lucy, do this. You know, when I moved into my first flat, I, I, did all, I fixed I, the windows. I measured the curtain. I did this. Sc- I did it all myself, right? I'm an electrical and electronic engineer. But you taught the basics of all engineering. Yeah. Okay, my pocket is light. Uh, it would be nice to... Do. But actually, this is a fun experience. You buy the thing, you fix it. Do, do, do. So it's about thinking you're, about... You're so post-
0: smiling at about You, enjoyed it, you? enjoyed
1: it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Do you enjoy life? I do. I do enjoy life. I, I enjoy... Of course, there's a fun aspects of life, but I enjoy the opportunity to see things improve and change, especially for people. I really enjoy that. I enjoy, Especially the young people that I've come across who have had some of them through some of my influence, some of them through their own journeys. I mean, we contribute to people's journey, but I love to see things get better.
0: What's in this for you?
1: You know, it took me um, a while to find the right words for this because the fundamental drive, you know, people are going to hear me talk about my parents so much and think, really, they must be like new, new angels. They're not, they're human. But, you know, when I was very little, I'm talking nursery age, nursery kindergarten age, my um, school reports that my parents got, they talked to me about it, would say that, you know, Lucy would finish um, her work and go and help the other children do their work. And I processed that a lot. And I realized, I thought, okay, I'm not, you're not special, you're, you're Lucy. So where did this come from? I took a step back and I realized that Actually, I learned it at home. So my parents always had people coming and going. They're always giving to someone, going out of I their way. The
0: You're talking about parenting. <laughs> because it's it's, it's really important. Has, everybody has parents. If, if that is the key to socializing people well, it's let, so, let's explore it's, it. fun,
1: it's foundational. And I, and I re- one of the things we used to be cross with my dad about like, ah, but you, we don't have a lot of money. And then this person will come and then you give them this and you give them that. But it became a learned behavior. You know, you're teaching your children values and they're learning the values by watching you, not by what you're telling them. So I joined the dots and I realized that, oh, okay. So this big need to see people do well was socialized in you from a young age. And so that's my number one big driver that I do think it's possible for others to do well and I want them to do well. As I've gotten older, I've added a a practical aspect to it, which is, you know, it's easy for me to say, but I've got my life in hand. I know what I'm doing and other, but you know what, There'll, there'll be a time when I'm old woman, Lucy, what happens in a country where I haven't played a role in creating the bold new normal, the country that I want? Then when I'm an old woman where I don't have the same level of energy, I don't have the same level of economic activity and activity engagement and then things are worse than they are today who will i blame if i didn't play my part
0: so you want to live in a country that you contributed to making a better place young women a lot of our programs are very intentional about young women let me tell you a story That my friends at EWN and i have a lot of friends in EWN. Yes. She, yeah we're co-founder. co-founder co-founder yes i told my friends at EWN that they should be assure that they have more partners than they think. And years ago in our, I'm sure you remember this, in our Festival of Ideas conference that you addressed, we 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 had fun having people like you come and address the conference, and we, we one day we did it, an analysis of our attendance, and we had 72% men and 28% women. Not and surprised. we said, this will not change by itself. And we didn't make public noise about it. We just began to deliberately invite, deliberately sponsor, deliberately create opportunity for for female attendees. And then the part that was even more beautiful, we looked for more Lucy quest like speakers. And made sure that the visual picture, the sto- yes. that, that's where the story that's comes in. That's where
1: the story comes
0: in. The, the speakers would always be equally divided among men and women. And we made right. sure that the stories of the women were amplified. On the quiet, in yes. some instances, we spent time rehearsing with the speakers yes. because not all of them were as eloquent as Lucy. So but they need good. some help. And we said, listen, it's worth our while. Yes, it is. Within one year, it was 55 45. So this is an example of how, as simple as it is, you can use a strategy to change what you don't like. Exactly. What would you like to see the young women of Ghana and Africa do?
1: So I feel as though broadly, I'm getting a sense that we have at least two camps of young women, right? Um, And we have the camp of young women who really want to strive and self-actualize. So they want to make something of their talents. And I'm answering this question because you specifically asked about young women. And then we have another side of, of young women who believe that life is all about dependency, uh, particularly depending on um, a man who has already made something of his life, how, you know, however, however he, he did. Now, I'm not talking about two people meeting each other, deciding to get married, set up a life together. That's that's very different. Whatever their economic backgrounds, they've made a choice. I'm talking about the instances where your economic uh, fulfillment is driven by somebody else's hard work, sometimes someone who actually has his own family and own responsibilities. I'm addressing both of these two camps. So the young women who are focused on self-actualization, they recognize that they have something to offer their community and their society, I applaud and encourage them because it's tough, but it's not as though it's not tough for the boys and the men, right? So you may look at it and think, oh, as a woman, I have to work hard, I have to do this. Yes, we don't have global equity yet, so I know there are equity challenges, mm-hmm. but in terms of having to work it to get to, not thinking about whether it's a woman's job or not, but recognizing that it's a person's job, So those young women, I encourage them, you are people like any other person, strive to achieve what you want to achieve. To the other side of young women, and and this side, in some ways, I'll be very honest, bothers me because it's distorting our narrative as, as women and distorting what some younger young women look up to. This idea that it's all about what you can present externally and visually to attract someone to pay for you. And so, on and, and, you know, this may sound blunt to some people listening, but we've got to address this because we're undermining the very fabric of of our success as a community. If we allow these things, we we don't speak up against them. Um, It doesn't help you as a young woman self-actualize because somebody just paid your way for you. And sometimes the price they have to pay is very high. It may feel like an easy price to pay when you're young, but it becomes a very expensive price as you get older and you no longer have what what you thought you had to offer, which is more physical driven to offer as an older woman. So I encourage both sides that, look, every single human being is born with some God-given talent, ability, purpose, something meaningful in your life. Seek it out. Pursue it, strive to achieve it, strive to realize your potential.
0: One thing is certain, an hour can never exhaust the number <laughs> of themes that I would always love to explore with a Lucy Quest, but you must make me a promise if I let you go that you'll come back again.
1: Absolutely. You and I on this on this journey, on this journey together. Um, and I, I do want to add for people that the reason why we evolved to a conference the simple reason was i felt like every year i start my year i go through my goals and 2022 was you have to have a conference like, why i don't but now i understand why um, having done it two years in a row when you see the conference visually you see the boldness of actually what was put together to demonstrate that we're, we you can create things that look and feel differently but now i've understood why the conference is necessary and the conference is necessary because you have pockets of different people who are working hard to influence within their sphere and change our outcomes but when you're dotted around you can feel tired you can feel frustrated when you come together into this coalition of change makers then you feel more as part of a movement of people who are creating change as opposed to a lone ranger I need support, everybody needs support. We're a coalition of change makers who are moving together to create the change that we believe in. And I'm very confident, God being our help, that we will realize the Ghana and the Africa that we know is possible for us, the bold new normal.
0: Engineers thinking about skill in galvanizing forces to get it done. We'll come back to you in a minute. Speak to the teeming young people across the continent who will be listening let them know the new story that Lucy would like them to have about possibility, about power, about making a difference, about ignoring the negative narrative, and then just going for it. That would be your opportunity. But before that, I've learned so much from Lucy Quest in this conversation about the bold new normal, the inspiration for the book, the evolution of the book into a conference and a movement, the the kind of Africa she wants to see where everyone prospers very key points about health care education and agriculture being not low-hanging foods but key areas that we should target in our transformational efforts but of all the things that Lucy said today one of the things that stands out very tall is the power of a story and Lucy saying that stories are transformational vehicles that nations have been built on. And we originally as Africans were great storytellers, but we have allowed our storytelling ability to be distorted, to focus on the negative narrative. The formula that we have come out with today is that there are two stories in every story and both stories are true. And depending on which story you choose to tell, that story determines your mindset which determines your actions, and that determines your outcomes. The rallying call from Lucy Quist is that we should change the system so that the system does not kill the aspirations of our young people, but instead make them grow up believing that they have what it takes. They have the voice to make a difference. Lucy, the closing thoughts.
1: My thoughts are to the young people of Ghana and Africa as a whole you are collectively singularly the biggest resource on planet earth today i didn't say your country i didn't say your continent i said planet earth human beings are the biggest resource that god created for this planet but you collectively represent what the opportunity of the future of our planet is As I sit here talking to you and as as I sit here sharing, there are people planning for your future, many of whom are not African. They're planning on how they're going to make most of this resource to their benefit. I encourage you to actually think about the other side of that opportunity, a different story, which is how are you going to be of most benefit to yourselves, to your countries and to your continents? You are a force because everywhere else people are aging the population is aging. You are the most vibrant, most innovative, strongest, most energetic generation that the, the planet has today. Please work together, rely, you know, stand on shoulders, seek out who can, whoever you need, but work together to realize your potential and create the future Africa that you know and you want to be possible because you can.
0: You are the strongest, so work together to create the future that you want because you can. Those words are powerful because you can. A big thank you to you, Lucy Quiz, for coming by and lighting up <laughs> thank the you. conversation in such a beautiful way. I hope mm-hmm. you've enjoyed it as much as I have.
1: I have really enjoyed this conversation. It's always a delight talking to you thank because you, you, you have the angles, but it's just You fire different things in the brain. Yes, 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 yes.
0: Thank you. I think these thoughts must be amplified on social media. And you are big on social media. So we'll collectively share these thoughts, these ideas, and engage them. Disagree if you may, but let's keep this conversation going. Let's be bold about asking questions about everything that we are doing and see how we can explore and chat our way to the bold, new, normal Ghana. And... Africa. this has been springboard your virtual university brought to you by the springboard ratio foundation and proudly sponsored by MTM pulse and the enterprise group with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic business look out for these thoughts in all these platforms and also on our social media pages including Newsies. so till we come away again next week my name is Albert okran saying god bless you god bless you and